Jeremy is Conrad. You are quite level grade 36. And you are listening to the Candair Podcast. No, stop it and get back to work. Talking comics, pop culture, talking all that. Movies, TVs, toys, video games, man. It's going down at the retro round table, man. You know we probably got a voice actor on the show. Maybe even got a screen actor, man. You never know. Jeremy going off on the Ninja Turtles. Jack's on the ticks. Brandy about to make it a brand video games. Man, that's how you know this is. Yeah, there, Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And our guest today, through his art, has brought to life such characters as the Silver Surfer, She-Hulk, Star Wars droids, X-Men, the list goes on, but he's probably best known for his work on The Phantom and Superman. We welcome comic book and comic strip artist Keith Williams to the show. Keith, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. We're going to have a good time today in our retro roundtable. We're going to be talking about sidekicks, some of our favorites, uh, maybe even least favorite. We've done this before on the show, but boy, have I got a modified list. I'm excited to uh, go through here. And I'm so excited. fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> And then after that, we're going to turn our full attention over to Keith and talk more about his amazing career. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show your support for $5 a month, you can get access to the Candair Patreon pod over at patreon.com forward slash CandairPod. Uh, there's a big catalog of shows over there, so very small price to pay for a lot more extra content and helping your boys out over here. Uh, what else? The song you heard at the very beginning of the episode was done for us by uh, uh, Phil Buck and uh, Chiel Neal, the Canned Air theme. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I, uh, man, I got the biggest kick out of that when they sent that along. So uh, big thanks to them. And I'm sure our listeners are going to be hearing more of that in the future. If you guys want to uh, give us a call here at the show, 614 254 33 you can either call or send us a text message. Don't worry, we're not going to answer, so no awkward conversations there. You can just leave a voicemail, say hi, say you hate the show, say you have an idea for the show, anything you want, uh, we want to hear it. So again, 614-254-3332. Gentlemen, what am I forgetting? Maybe that's hey, why they won't leave a message, because they know we won't answer. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> hey, I don't know. Maybe we'll answer. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm going to stick to this rule so far. Press, <laughs> press your luck. I don't want the but awkward hey. conversation. <laughs> so, how's the but weather hey. there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, hey, if you're uh, up at about 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, check us out on Redline Radio. We are the syndicated show over there in the mornings. And uh, yeah, give us some love on there. There it is. Lots of different places and ways to check out your favorite Canned Air podcast. Anything else, gentlemen? Let's do it. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! (laughs) All right, our favorite sidekicks from throughout pop culture. Jack, kick us off. All right, so I just saw, well, the other week, the new movie Scoob. And this sidekick came to light as probably one of my favorites because he's a sidekick that actually makes his boss, I guess you would call him, actually worth it and a little bit better. And mine is Muttley, Dick Dastardly's sidekick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All I can hear is that laugh. Yeah. (laughs) And that... It was great because, like, the whole movie, Dick Dastardly, Muttley's not with him. And later on, spoiler alert, when Muttley finally shows back up, 
it makes he's like i don't know it just puts like the peas taste better because there's two of them in the pot i get i don't know <laughs> jack you've been up in marion way too long man i, I, I need to get out of here 400 <laughs> <laughs> but he'd always sit there and just like he he didn't bad. I guess he did bad, bad mouth him because Dick Dastardly would always be like, "Motley, go do this," and he just walk away being like, "Back, back, back." And he would laugh. If Why Dick even Dastardly... put up with this shit if you're so disgruntled? Why stick around? Yeah. Anything bad that would happen to <laughs> Dastardly, he, Motley would sit there and do that wheezy laugh at him, just yeah. like making fun of him. So. Yeah, I can't do it, but that's that's all I've got. That's the best I've got. <laughs> Oh my but yeah, God. that's that's my pick for sidekick. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, Keith, how about you? Was thinking about it, and I figured um, Rick Jones, who's the sidekick oh. to like a lot of a, a lot of people in uh, in Marvel comics, uh, the Hulk, Captain America, Captain Marvel. Yes, yes, yes. and he was the mascot to the Avengers. So. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Rick Jones uh, originally was pushed out of the way by Bruce Banner, and then Banner took on the gamma radiation. Because I do remember there being like a Marvel What If where yes. Banner didn't push him out of the way, and then Rick Jones had become the Hulk. Oh, yeah, right. Something oh, like my that. And like his body. I forgot about that one. Yeah. yeah, his body wasn't able to handle uh, the gamma radiation like Bruce was for some reason. I can't remember. It's been so long, but right. I could be uh, mistaken on those details. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal the conversation away from you. Oh, no, that's, that's, uh, no, that's all right. That's interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long but, uh, time. But, yeah, the, the, the Hulk, that's right. That's, that's how it all started. Yeah. And he, he actually Bucky brought too. the Avengers together, I believe, too, you know, like, uh, along with Loki. So. Is that right? I didn't know that. I think so. Mickey, I think he was. Uh, wow. that's, that's one of the reasons, I guess, why he became a mas- the mascot of the Avengers. Well, 350 been- episodes in and still learning something. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> well, yeah, check, check me, though. That's okay. You can check me. <laughs> <laughs> Has he been in the MCU yet? No, not to my knowledge. Haven't seen him yet. No. They should put him in there. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like he's a pretty big part of everything. No, absolutely. I mean, he was Bucky for a long time with uh, with Cap, so. Yep. I would Mm -hmm. uh, love to see, uh, I mean, I already know they have the Edward Edward Norton Hulk movie, but I'd like Mm -hmm. to see more Hulk movies with um, Mark Ruffalo. And, you know, maybe if they did that, that would be an entry point uh, for Rick Jones into the MCU. But at this point, I can't see that happening. Yeah, they they can't do that, can they? They they don't totally own the Hulk, I guess. It's it's frustrating. Ah. Ah, I guess he was mentioned in The Incredible Hulk and The Avengers, apparently. I'm looking at it. Really? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea where that name could even popped up. It might have just been just a, I don't, just in the side voice. Someone in the background just throws out Rick Jones, just enough to be out there. So I don't know. He said it. Now I'm gonna have to look at all my movies again. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Go through them all with a fine tooth comb just to never find it. I'll I'll miss it even when I'm paying attention. (laughs) Guarantee it. All right, Randy. That brings us over to you. Okay, so kind of playing off that, um, I was actually, Bucky from Captain America was on my list. Um, I had, growing up, I had those Marvel uh, video uh, VHS tapes, like the cartoons they did probably back in, what, the 70s? Mm-hmm. And I had one with, with uh, Captain America, and it was two episodes. In the first episode, it was Rick Jones, and Cap got all bent out of shape because he found the Bucky costume and put it on. And I just remember that kind of blew my mind as a kid thinking like, wow, like sidekicks could actually die and get replaced. Um, Yeah. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And once again, me and Randy have a same entry on our list. I, need I to almost just start had going him on there before Randy every week. I think <laughs> to <laughs> reclaim my spot. <laughs> but no, that was a very good pick. A very good pick. Bucky that always comes to my mind is the the cover where Captain America's all upset because Bucky's using drugs. I can't. It remember makes me that laugh cover. so bad. 
I don't know because he's just like Bucky's on drugs. <laughs> it's so horrible, and it was super impactful then. But it, at the same time, it always cracks me up. I wonder if that's one of the uh, books that they uh, went against the comic code to publish. Because I remember there being uh, uh, several books like that where they were trying to tackle drug use and stuff, and the comic code was like, "No, you can't do that." And some, you know, there were times they just pushed it out anyway. Yeah, sure. They did that with the uh, Red uh, Speedy, the Red yes. Arrow, and Green Arrow too, didn't they? Yes, yes, yeah. they did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, Harry Osborn. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. They had the old drug issue with him. Yeah. I think it was more impactful with Red Arrow for me because I thought he was cooler than Bucky. <laughs> I can't argue with reason like that. Yep. He's cooler. Do we have any idea what kind of narcotics Bucky was involved with? I think it was cocaine. <laughs> was it really? Wow. The cocaine. I don't know. I'm it's trying hard to, to think of him because, I mean, he had a very uh, just kind of a dorky outfit when he was just Bucky the sidekick before he came Winter Soldier, you know? Am I wrong? Blue shirt with red collar. Yes, I, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> him coming back from the bathroom with uh, powder under his nose and on his collar and shit. Bucky, when did you grow a mustache? What, what, what? Oh, you know, it God. definitely wouldn't have been a joint because he would have just been like chilling back, right? <laughs> I'll set this one up. Uh, those uh, those combos ads in the uh, old comic books would have meant a whole lot more if that was the case. <laughs> We're starting to see where his real superpower came from. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess my first pick would be. Uh, in the old Ninja Turtle cartoon, there was, and I tried to find this kid's name online, and I'm sure that somebody out there knows it, but I couldn't find it. He was a kid, a small kid who had learned of the turtle's existence and worshipped the uh, ground they walked on. So he, you know, fancied himself his own bandana, and he had a trash can lid that he had put on his back with a belt fashioned like a shell. And I, I think he showed up in a few episodes, but he... Uh, would always kind of dip in and save them when there was no one else to save them. But he was always kind of the entry point because, of course, I can't be a mutated turtle that lives in the sewer. But damn it, I can put a trash can lid on my back and help some out if I ever come across them. <laughs> Who was that? I vaguely remember that. He was like a little blonde head kid. I can't remember. But uh, I didn't really have a name. Well, he had a name. I just couldn't uh, find it when I looked online. I didn't know how to search. I just kept searching dumb blonde kid turtles. <laughs> 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 Nothing came up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, uh. but yeah, I just, uh, he, he, I just remember him being kind of irritating, but at the same time, he was the entry point for me as far as uh, imagination went, me morphing into that world, you know? Yeah. Anyway, we are back over to Jack. So the next one is from He-Man. He-Man's sidekick. It almost went two different ways with it, being Orko. Mm. But I don't know. He wasn't always there with him. He was only ever there once in a while. And most of the time, he would end up screwing stuff up more than anything, which I guess a sidekick can be the comic relief. But I ended up going with his trusty steed, Battle Cat. (laughs) Oh. Trusty indeed. Yeah. Yes. Good old cringer. Or a big talk? puss before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he did not too much. He was more just a growl to agree with him, I think, most of the time. Right, Battle Cat? Right. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, was he I... like a coward in his alter ego? Yeah. Yeah. He was just a small, small cat. Well, big, small cat, but he was a big, <laughs> big chicken. He <laughs> put that gnarly looking saddle and helmet on him and he grew three times the size he was pretty badass I don't know if you guys remember uh, on the episode of the toys that made us where they talk about uh, the creation of He-Man and the toys and stuff that the way uh, Battle Cat even came to be was that uh, they needed an inexpensive vehicle or something for the He-Man toy and they just happened to have this I think this is how it was, like a mold of like this like cat from like a zoo animal line that he happened yeah. to just fit on yep. top yeah. of. So yep. they just painted him uh. green, threw a saddle on him, and Battle Cat was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
It's wow. so funny how in the 80s, you know, stuff like He-Man and uh, I don't know, G.I. Joe, Mask, stuff like that. Cartoons that were just put together solely to sell toys and didn't have a lot of thought put into the story can still be so influential and memorable. You know what I mean? It was like they were making yeah. gold accidentally. <laughs> Yeah, just like the micro, uh, what the micronauts? Uh, oh yeah, sectors. Those, those. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so many Jeez. examples. I just can't think of them. But yeah, yeah, it's funny. And it, uh, you get a different caliber of cartoon now because the people that grew up inspired by those cartoons are now the ones making them. And I think a lot more thought and uh, effort goes into them. Not that I, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of cartoons, so maybe I'm wrong. But. Uh, <laughs> In- well, I was watching cartoons back in the '60s, so you know, <laughs> I got I got to see the old stuff: Superman, Batman, Aquaman, all that stuff. Oh yeah, Looney back Tunes. in the old the Looney Tune characters. Yes, that was oh, me. Were, that's when it was the best. That's when it was. The now best. the toys. Now the toys are made after the cartoons. It's not just a toy for the kid have to have. Right. And they got to put the story together after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. different world, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That brings us back over to Keith. Yes. Oh. Okay. So uh, there's there's always the favorite uh, Robin, <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Batman and Robin, Robin the boy hostage. Uh, I, I... <laughs> Here, Robin. You wear the red and yellow costume. I'll be in the black and gray <laughs> at night <laughs> and go fight criminals. So, you know, you, you can fight them and I'll come around the back and hide in the shadows and stuff, you know. No, that's Stick not out too like tight. a sword. Oh, oh, it's not tight. It's not tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know, so. So, so you know, like uh, you know, no, um, I I thought that Robin brought the lightness into Batman. You know, like uh, at the uh, beginning, uh, when Batman was throwing people off of roofs and shooting them and yeah. stuff like that, uh, it wasn't until Robin came in that you saw a different side of uh, Batman, not right. being totally psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he uh, like tie someone up by their neck and then attach them to a hel- helicopter or a plane and send it off in oh. the air or something? <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't exactly remember that one, but I could I believe it. <laughs> oh yeah, he was uh, he was brutal. Yeah, was that that was Jason, the Jason Todd Robin, right? Yeah, that's a whole different Robin. Yeah, that's the one that tried to steal the wheels off the Batmobile, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I love the uh, the newest incarnation, uh, Damian Wayne. He's been he's been really cool to watch. I've liked him too. Yeah, didn't he poke his finger through somebody's head? <laughs> I would believe that. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> serious. He is a what like a ten year old assassin. He is. Uh, yeah, yeah crazy. that's right. Ray Shal Ghul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taught him how to fight. So <laughs> it's funny. I think that, we... all the Robins have really brought. Uh, their own left their own mark on the, the universe it's hard to uh say any one of them was horrible at least for me damien's no, really got to show another side of batman because damien wants to kill everybody <laughs> and he's got to be like no you can't do that like, you used to be like this a long time ago <laughs> it's very much the uh the the uh eddie brock and venom relationship in that newest movie he's like no we don't kill we don't yeah. kill <laughs> <laughs> But, I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I really love the dynamic of when uh, uh, Dick Grayson was Batman there for a little bit and his kind of carefree personality paired with Damian Wayne's like really serious Robin. Yeah. Total switch around. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, I like Damian, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I even like that they that they brought back uh, Jason, you know, I like guess uh, the Red Hood. Right? Yeah. He's the Red yes. Hood. Oh, yeah. after, after being killed by the Joker. So, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's some good stuff. Good story writing right there. <laughs> All right, that was, uh, that was Keith. That brings us back over to Jack. Me again. All right, my last one. Or no, 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 no. That's Randy. I'm sorry. It brings us oh, back to Randy. It's all right. <laughs> uh, hopefully you don't have this one on your list too, Jeremy, but uh, being a huge... Uh, DuckTales uh, and uh, Darkwing Duck fan growing up, uh, Launchpad McQuack. 
Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. a six large so good way. he couldn't be contained to one show exactly <laughs> that's how you have to look at it yeah yeah i mean and, and as uh incompetent as he seemed on the regular he always seemed to get the job done yeah yeah I mean, the new never... ducktales he's not quite as incompetent is he I think so. I don't know that <laughs> if I remember, he's still crash landing everywhere, and he spends the duration of the adventure getting the plane unstuck while everyone else is out fighting uh, <laughs> treasure hunters and whatnot. <laughs> I haven't seen enough of him to to remember. Yeah, I was watching a couple episodes there. I don't remember seeing him on it, so I, I don't know. I know one thing that they did in that show that was pretty cool was uh, Darkwing Duck in the in the new Ducktales universe was a TV show, and. Um, I- well, how was it? The new guy who was the TV show that like we watched as kids is the show that I guess exists in that universe. And the guy who played him uh, is just like, a, I guess, kind of like an Adam West character, like a glorified actor. And they have rebooted the series with this new young actor uh, to portray Darkwing. And the original guy who portrayed Darkwing that we watched when we were kids got wicked pissed and drove crazy about it. And he is who becomes NECA Duck. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. If that all made sense. There were a lot of ducks in that, in that uh, paragraph there. <laughs> a lot of twists and turns. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool when they take stuff like that and kind of bend it and refresh it a little bit. It gives more meaning to the reboot, I guess. It's not just the same recycled stuff. They actually put some uh, history into it, so it makes uh, it's easier to to eat, I guess. <laughs> Takes care of us mom and dads who are watching it with the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. All right, let's see. My next pick is going to have to be, and it's hard to even say she's a sidekick, but I guess she would be considered an. Uh, Hit Girl from the Kick-Ass movies. Oh, okay. Now, she is just, oh, in the comics, in the movies, so much freaking fun. And um, I guess Kick-Ass really is her sidekick looking at it. But since the movie and the comic is called Kick-Ass, you know, (laughs) um, and she was definitely Big Daddy's sidekick at one point. But, man, I mean, Mm -hmm. you couldn't, you're hard-pressed to find a better sidekick, right? Right. Absolutely. She's the sidekick that's the business end, not the the comic relief part of it. I would love to see a uh, either a comic or a uh, show or a movie of her in adulthood. Because if she's this lethal at eight oh, years God. old, imagine what she's going to be at thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Unstoppable. I don't think she'd have any remorse. Not like she had much to begin with, anyway. No, no, just be straight destroy. Remorse was killed when she was a child. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have any superpowers, right? Do you, do you think she even like be functional in adulthood as much as she's putting her body through? That's I, interesting. What? Oh, like she's young? destroyed her body uh, through her yeah. childhood and teenage years of fighting. Right. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on her uh, hip and joint doctors. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, 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 again, really dig her. The end of Kick-Ass 3, the, the comic was really good because uh, Kick-Ass hung up uh, his outfit. He kind of gave up, went back to his normal life. And she hit the road and left town. And it shows her, uh, like, taking on a new sidekick, which is going to be the next uh, Kick-Ass. So Kick-Ass has kind of become her Robin, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. It should have been called... Hit girl because she's the one that you remember the most after the end of the movie. You're in so awe of her badassery. Kick ass, you're just kind of like, Yeah, the guy in the green. That- yeah, but the reason kick ass is relatable is because he's he's doing what any person who's ever read comics uh, has always thought. Well, like, right, why aren't there superheroes? Like, I can do this, <laughs> you know, like. So, we're seeing uh, why we shouldn't do it <laughs> through, <here>. yeah. <laughs> But if you did, there might be someone that can help you. That's true. <laughs> That's true. All right. That brings us back around to Keith. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Joker and Holly. Ooh. Hey, uh, she is. Holly Quinn, who, like, okay. grew from the animated series 
and is now out in the world on her own now. You know, she she developed during all these years. You know, uh, to finally to be even in a way more popular than the Joker, mm-hmm. having her own comic books and her own cartoon, uh, which I love. And uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's uh, she's an incredible character. And over the years, seems to have become just as, if not more, psychotic than uh, than the Joker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they think of her as a hero. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? How that uh, that transition has happened? Yeah, I don't get it, but I suppose I don't have to. I guess. Not. It, well, I, I guess I don't know what she did actually to become. You know, like a real hero, you know, like that they wouldn't think, well, after you've helped us with this, you're going to go back to Arkham. You know, I mean, I, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the, birds of, the movie, the Birds of Prey movie, which was wasn't great. But I guess in a way she was kind of a hero there. It's yeah. Just going against the evil that's going against her, I guess, to win in the end and make everything better. But for her. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. She, she's kind of becoming like DC's answer to uh, Deadpool almost. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Oh, hmm, that's an interesting look at it. I didn't think of it like that. Because she can be the kind of kind of straight lace, but then at the same time, totally out there, nuts and yeah, silly, destructive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it always seems to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, didn't they like just walk away from a helicopter crash in that in that uh, Suicide Squad movie? Suicide Squad, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, indestructible. Wow, yeah, lucky girl. All right, something in that acid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, that brings us back around to Randy. Oh, okay. Did Jack go? Actually, no. I don't think he did. <laughs> Randy, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, my last one, it was a hard pick between which one was actual sidekick, but I think I figured out which one it was. And he goes by the name of Brian. Okay. Griffin. No. Oh, no. There we go. <laughs> I knew that just the name would throw you guys off. I don't know how good of a sidekick he is. He's always trying to have sex with his uh, with his wife, with Peter's wife, so... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't sure if it was going to be Stu. He was be the sidekick, or if it'd be the other way around. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard call. They're kind of interchange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have an answer. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it really depends on which on what's going on. That they it could be either or. They're like Brian the Wonder Twins. There's no none. Of, neither one's the sidekick. They're equally as important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending on what they're what they want to do, I guess the other one follows and. Is the sidekick part part of it? I guess. Right. Oh, I guess that one wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's how I went out more. Arthur from the Tick. I had pulled him out before. Oh, I was waiting for him to come out. No, I, I wasn't going to pull him out for this one. I, I think I pulled him. I, I think I picked him before when we did this. Yeah, yeah. We've talked to Arthur. Oh, he's 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 stolen a lot of our conversation over the years. Yeah. That's for sure. All right. Now, Randy. All right. Last one I have, and I don't know if you guys would count these as sidekicks or not. The uh, droids from Star Wars, C-3PO and R2-D2. R2-5-3. He was the red one in the background. Right? He was the one that blew up. Yeah, great sidekicks indeed. Yeah, I don't think there's been... I mean, there hasn't been any Star Wars property other than Mandalorian that hasn't had at least one or both of them in it, right? This is true. I, I thought was, you were going to yeah. say a droid sidekick, but yeah, no, with R2 or C-3PO, they've been in everything. Well, they chronicalized everything. They're, they're the ones that saw everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Even when they split up, you know, they they got to, got to see everything that was happening in the Star Wars universe. I, yeah. I love those characters. Yeah, and I really uh, like how in this latest movie, C-3PO, as well as Chewie, got uh, great spotlights on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they weren't just uh, props in the background for these new films. They actually got uh, spotlight on them. Yeah. Yeah, I teared up with, with, with C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
when he was about to get his brain lobotomized. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, she just pushed it right in his face. You know the odds better than anybody. Do we have a choice? You know, what's he going <laughs> to yeah. say when his whole life has been, look at the odds, look at the odds. <laughs> and they're actually listening to the odds this time, too, instead of just kind of brushing them away and telling them to shut up. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoyed what they did, uh, yeah, with him in this last film. Because in, like, Force Awakens, he just kind of popped in here and there just for a quick one-liner or something. And in uh, Last Jedi, I just feel like he was just kind of standing around. I could be wrong, but... So I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but there was a cartoon series for the droids, for R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys have seen that? I, I had mm-hmm. a VHS of it growing up, and I never heard, like, anything else about it since then. It yeah, was, I mean, I heard of it. I knew there were uh, toys that, uh, if you can still find on card, are extremely valuable. Yeah, oh. very valuable. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much of it, but I, I do remember the cartoon because it went along with uh, the Ewoks cartoon, too. Right, the Ewoks, yes. Okay, okay. The only thing about I the remember, same time. The only thing I remember about the droid show was, like, they were paired up with somebody that looked like a really skinny Rambo, like, running around doing stuff, like, on Tatooine, I think. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, I vaguely remember. I, I really that. can't remember an episode. I mean, like, but I remember they were on. I remember yeah. the Ewoks more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I just am aware of them. I never uh, watched either of them, to be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> so shut up. Kind of weird. The droids cartoon three <laughs> PO actually had eyelids, and his pupils moved around so he could <laughs> emote better in it. That's right. Well, I tell you what, this haunted C-3PO on my <laughs> shelf in here is about to grow eyelids and have moving pupils. This thing's freaking me the hell out, let me tell you. It's heat activated. I, my sister found an article talking about it. For real? It, yeah, it changes with heat. Wow. Oh, Jesus. And now I need to take that post down. What an idiot I am. <laughs> no, a lot of people are liking it. Because I don't know how many people really have that one. Because it's pretty hard to get, right? From what I yeah. understand, but... Uh, Man, I didn't know that. So I'm about to put a lamp in front of him now. It's just crazy. You'd be sitting here working on the show and look over, and all of a sudden his yellow eyes have turned red. You're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Start speaking <laughs> Sith at you. Let the power what? of Christ compel you. <laughs> I wonder what a-hole toy maker like, thought that was a good idea, like put stuff like that in toys and not like put it on the packaging. Like, no just shit. Just freak kids out. Yeah, no really. Shit. I'm about to pick it up again and uh, read the back of it, but I swear it doesn't say it on there. I was about to bury this thing with the crucifix and chicken bones. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, I was about to be rid of it. <laughs> On that note, I think we can uh, close the retro roundtable and just move into talking with Keith more about his career. Keith, thank you so much again for being here. I hope you're having a good time. And uh, just really excited to hear about how uh, someone who's worked on some of the most influential characters in comic history uh, gets his start in comics. I wanted to do comic books for almost my whole life, actually. Um, I, my, my grandmother gave me my first uh, comic book when I was a kid. Uh, it was a Batman comic book. Uh, had uh, Batman and Robin's face in webs, and the bat phone was ringing, but nobody was answering it. Uh, that was my fir- that was my very first comic that I had in my hand, and and I loved it. Uh, my grandmother would then. Every week, she would get me more and more comic books and uh, just said, wow, it's fun reading these things. I'd like to try and draw them, too, you know? And I started with, like, seriously stick figures, you know, and worked my way up from there. Uh, was was um, doing uh, comic strips uh, for my for my school uh, at American of Heaven. <laughs> And uh, just went on from just went on from there. Got got into uh, uh, high school and uh, took a whole mess of major art classes. And you know, like it 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 was just something I, I was just continuously driven by the comic books. You know, like I, I was a comic book collector, and I liked to draw them. And I had a friend of mine that was there writing stories, and I would draw the I would draw the stories, and uh, he would do some drawing too, and we'd be messing around. Uh, you know, like in our apartment building, you know, like just just uh, creating stuff, um, and uh, you know, like like I said, uh, in high school with the major art programs, and also uh, doing school shows and stuff like that, I'd be painting 
backgrounds, you know, like uh, scenery on sets and stuff like that. I had a um, an advisor uh, that uh, in the tenth grade um, asked me to uh, do a contest uh, that was involving uh, pollution. So I created this this uh, creature that this uh, superhero had to had to fight to, to beat, and uh, I. I kind of like won, you know, like uh, first place for that. Uh, I, th- I thought that was really cool. And uh, did uh, the yearbook uh, for, for the high school also, and uh, they they really liked that. It was very unusual. I had a Viking holding up the school because our mascot <laughs> was, a, was a Viking. Uh, so, <laughs> so he was there holding up the school and had a comet going in the background and clouds and stuff like that and you know they 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 really they really like that too and it just got me more and more into wanting to you know like uh do this as a living um went to school visual arts the main reason why i went there was because will eisner uh was the teacher there uh he uh created the spirit way back and yeah it believe me i was in awe of this guy uh absolutely incredible storyteller and uh, he didn't want me in his class. <laughs> so, what? Why is that? I, 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 I was not. I was not of the caliber. I was not of the caliber of some of those. Some of the other guys that was in that class. You know, like uh, I, I. But I. I was continu- I, I. I definitely wanted to be in his class. I continuously harassed him. Uh, finally, uh, had um, the book, uh, his graphic novel, Contract uh, with God. And I brought that up to him and asked him for his autograph. You know, like, and then he said, "Oh, well, thank you." And while he was signing it, and I was in his class, I was in the classroom with him. You know, I can, his students were around and everything. And he said, "You see, that's how you get into my class." <laughs> 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 so I actually did get into his class. It was, it was amazing, you know. Like I, I didn't expect that, but yeah, wow. yeah. Um, the next term, I was in his class, uh, so um, I had him, and I also. Um, oh gosh, who's the other? Oh gosh, um, I'm trying to remember the other teacher that I was involved. It'll come to me, but um, no. Uh, Will was a great teacher. He was absolutely amazing, um, and he would ask us questions about how comic books were going and what was the new thing that was happening and all this. And, and like in the back of my mind, I kind of like knew he was just asking us these questions, but that he knew already you know, what was oh, going he just on. Is testing your knowledge. He's t- yeah. He, you know, like testing us and, you know, like also, you know, like he wanted to, you know, like hear, hear all, you know, like what, what we thought about things too, you know, like, uh, he was just, it was just amazing. We would, we would, um, Oh God, our artwork. Uh, when we would show him stuff that we did for his class, he would take out a gigantic uh, piece of lead, and uh, he would then proceed to draw over our artwork to show us how how things should change, you know, like how how things should, you know, like the storytelling should be like this, like, and we would be horrified. Okay, mm-hmm. we'd be horrified because he drew on our artwork. How dare oh. he! No. How dare he? <laughs> but but the, the, so so what, what we ended up doing was um, we we bought him a pad of uh, tracing paper so that he could draw, <laughs> draw over it that way. Little did we know, we're, we, yeah, I know. Little did we know, we were you know like really a bunch of idiots. You know, <laughs> we should have done. You know, we he was drawing on our artwork. Yeah, we, we were getting original artwork from Will Eyes. <laughs> And Will, uh, I love you. I look up to you, but quit drawing on my shit. Quit drawing on my stuff. Hey, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Honest oh, that's temperament. So, funny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, but, but unfortunately, I do not have any of the stuff that he actually, you know, like, corrected anymore. It, oh, it, wow. like, it disappeared. And I really regret that. <laughs> well, you know, I but, mean, it's, well, I mean, at the time, was he. I guess he was at the time as uh, big and influential. Yes, he was. He yeah. was. Uh, the, the spirit came back out again at the time. Uh, I think Kitchen Sink was uh, was uh, putting it out. Uh, and Warren Magazine was doing all the reprints on the spirit. And uh, yeah, yeah, he was 
It was very hot. And then he was doing, he was creating the graphic novel. Wow. You know, like he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was pretty hot. His, his, he was amazing. After uh, I did his class, he would, he sent us uh, on a field trip, you know, like uh, on our own, of course, to uh, Marvel Comics. Mm. to uh, show us stuff and <laughs> try to get into uh, trying to get into the business and uh, like I was like oh they're gonna love my stuff <laughs> like, there's no way they're not gonna love my stuff uh, I had uh, Jim Shooter come out he, he, he came out I was in the lobby of Marvel uh, this, this is yeah this one they were at 387 Park Avenue and uh, he looked at my stuff he was really nice you know He's really nice, and he said, "You know, it, you know, you you got something going on there, you know, but uh, we'd like you to look more like this." And he pointed at a picture of the Hulk that they had in in the lobby that was done by I think like uh, Jack Kirby and John Romita. And he said, "You know, you gotta you gotta have it have your style look a little bit more like that, you know." Like, and I was like, "Going, ah, okay, okay." Believe me, looking back now, my, my stuff, I, I, I'm surprised that he even looked at my stuff. Oh, you're probably being too I, hard I, on your I'm, work. I'm, oh, please, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, I took it I took it back home, and I and I took it to heart, you know, like, and I was upset, but I, I, worked, on, I worked on it. And uh, next time I went up there, I got to see John O'Meter. And wow. the other time, I think it was Marie Severin that I uh, was actually wow. able to show myself to. And... Uh, and uh, when I was um, with John, he would, um, he, you know, like he, he looked at my stuff and he said that, you know, yeah, this, this, I, I got possibility there, but I still wasn't really ready. But he was like showing me these tricks that he was doing, like with a ruler, uh, how he would use a brush and a ruler to get a straight line. I could not believe how he was doing this stuff. You know, like absolutely amazing. It took me so long to learn how to do that. You know, like after he showed me, I said, yeah, how do you do that trick? He said, what trick? You know, this is, <laughs> this wow. is just the way I do stuff, you know? And I, wow, you know, I mean, the guy was absolutely amazing. But um, I actually finally got my start in the business while I was working at my old high school as a paraprofessional and, um, uh, Howard Perlin, who's the son of Don Perlin, was uh, in, in uh, was working on one of the school shows, and you know, like I was helping him out with perspective on a backdrop. Uh, backdrops are usually like 16 feet by God knows how long, or whatever. But uh, <laughs> they, it was, you know, I can he, you know I can need a little bit of help on that, so I, I did. And you know, we got talking, and he said, you know, like, would you like to meet my father? You know, like Don Perlin, he worked in Marvel Comics. You know, and you, you know, you said you were interested in doing, you know, doing stuff. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I said, where, where do you guys live? And little did I know that they only lived like about two blocks away from me this, oh, this wow, whole time. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, like I lived in this project, Glenwood Houses, and they lived, lived uh, two blocks away. So I was able to go over there and uh, meet with him. You know, we talked for a while. He's a great guy. Um, he gave me some uh, penciled artwork because, you know, like I also showed them stuff that I was doing, you know, like that I was inking. As, as a matter of fact, I showed him the uh, Marvel, um, uh, that, that, that test tryout book that had John Romita Jr.'s stuff in it, in blue line. And I inked the blue line on that. And that's what I, that's what I showed uh, Don Perlin. And he liked what he liked what he saw there, but you know, like he gave me some stuff to bring home and I would, I would work on it on vellum which is like the worst thing in the world to, to uh, you know, like it's like tracing paper, but it's it does not absorb ink at all. <laughs> so it's like you could you could put ink down on it and it will just sit there for like an hour before it would dry. Oh, it, was, it, was a, it was a nightmare. Plus, plus the fact that it was hard to look through because it was kind of like a frosted kind of, uh, kind of, you know, like a uh, thing, you know, like a uh, piece of paper. So uh, I, I would, you know, like uh, go over to his house, like almost like every week, you know, I go uh, show him stuff. And uh, finally, one day he asked me if I was interested in doing backgrounds for Mike Esposito up at Marvel. Uh, he's, he was doing a Marvel team up at, at the time. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, so um, ended up uh, getting uh, work as, as a background guy. Uh, and I was doing OK with that. 
and I was, you know, like actually making money. And at the same time, I was still working at my old school, South Shore, um, as a paraprofessional during the day. Uh, so when I was doing my background stuff, it had to be at in the evening, at night, you know, like way into the night, so that uh, I would be working at at the school during the day, working on my backgrounds at night. I'd probably get to sleep at around three or four in the morning maybe and then i'd have to wake up at around six to uh, get back to the school it was a really it was a really crazy time then you know like trying to you know like handle handle both jobs so by the time the summer came around i just told the school because i realized i was you know like uh, doing stuff for you know like mike esposito and a few other people at the time that you know like i could just like do this as a as a living and i i didn't have to do the paraprofessional stuff so I, I I quit the um I quit that and I became a full time uh, background artist uh, for Marvel, uh, and worked with um, Esposito with um, Joe Sennett, bunch of other different guys Jeff Isherwood, um, God Andy Mashinsky, uh, uh, Vince Coletta, <laughs> and like uh, lots lots of different people. So you know like I was able to um, be up there. A lot, you know, because I was I was doing a lot of work, uh, not getting too much sleep, but you know, like I mean, I didn't care, and <laughs> really didn't. And uh, after after a while, I heard that um, John Romita was starting this uh, starting this uh, group uh, that would be art correction people, you know, but they would be people that were just starting out in the business, uh, and he would be there to overlook things and you know, like, teach us, you know, like how you know, like to do things in, in uh, the comic book world. And uh, and when I heard that, I said, oh, I got to be part of this. And I, I, like, continuously was bugging him about that uh, every time that I that I saw him, you know, like whenever I came up, went up to the company. And he, you know, like, uh, let me be uh, the first guy that they, that they uh, uh, used for that. Uh, so I was, like, the first uh, Romita Raider for the art correction crew. And then uh, the other guys came on, like Phil Ward. Uh, he he worked, him and me worked together for for a while. And uh, Steve Geiger, and uh, boy, you had people like Bud LaRosa. You even had people like Adam. Was that Muse there? I think Adam Muse was was one of the Raiders too. God, there was, there was a lot of there was a lot of different people that uh, came up after that after that point. But um, it, that that was a great incredible learning experience to, you know, like, uh, besides uh, working on backgrounds for Esposito and Senate, you know, like Senate, who I really loved because, um, because Senate would not only, they, they would send me by Federal Express, they would send me, uh, Senate would send me the pages of things like the Avengers that he would be um, inking over with Al Milgram at the time. Uh, and uh, it, it was it was amazing seeing these pages. But the other amazing thing was that um, on on attached to the page would be a check, <laughs> like uh, because uh, it would it would be uh, Joe Sennett who would you know like pay me to do backgrounds. It wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the company. So I would get the check even before I did the work. That's it, intimidating. It was amazing. It, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I learned so much, and I wanted I wanted to make sure that you know like I didn't I didn't mess up. Because <laughs> it was Joe Senate, come on, but but no, he was he was absolutely he he's an amazing person, you know. He, he is incredible. He's he's such a nice guy. Uh, that it was he was so nice. Uh, I, I actually at the time I didn't really meet him personally. I was basically talking to him on the phone. Uh, that when I started to get regular work as an anchor. I had to, you know, I start to turn them down. I didn't know how to do that because every time, you know, like uh, pages would come in, there was that check. <laughs> I said, Jeez, you know, he's so nice. He's giving me this stuff even before I say yes. You know, uh, <laughs> what am I gonna do? But, but I, I, I definitely, I, I finally had to bite the bullet with that, and you know, I, you know, because I, like I said, I was slowly starting to get, you know, like regular ink work, you know, like here and there, different, different um, offices I was on. Doing uh, sectors, <laughs> that was a, that was a fun one. Uh, sectors and um, what else was I doing at the time? Transformers. Wow. So, oh wow. 
Yeah, yeah. Transformers was, was crazy because, you know, like I was like thinking straight edges, straight edges. <laughs> no organic. There's not one organic thing. And, you know, like I was so happy when a human appeared. It was, it was great. <laughs> Time to use the roller and paintbrush trick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a way of just like just like stamping those characters onto the page, you know. And, and the bad thing was is that I didn't I didn't get to play with any of the toys, you know, like the, the pens, the, the, the pencil has got the toys, you know, but the, the inker, but the inker just, you know, just inked whatever was there, you know, so that was, that was, a, that was a way out. Damn cool. I'll tell yeah. you, well, I'll tell you it was, it was, <laughs> it was, I had a, I had a good time. Um, yeah, I, I was doing backgrounds for, for a long time. Uh, finally, um, uh, they asked me if I was interested in, um, doing backgrounds for John Byrne. And I said, Really? <laughs> yeah, X Men, X Men, John Byrne. You want me to do? <laughs> you know, and he says, "Yeah, he's going to be doing. Uh, he's going to, you know, he's doing Alpha Flight, and he needs a guy to, you know, do his backgrounds." I said, "Wow, okay, okay." Now that was, you know, like, besides Joe, that was even more intimidating, you know, because it's John Byrne, you know. But uh, he was um, he was uh, absolutely amazing uh, because not only did I do backgrounds for him, but he gave me credit doing the backgrounds uh, on on the page. You wow. know, like he actually had my name on there. You know, like, so every issue that I did with him, my name was on there with it, uh, which was unheard of. You know, because like a lot of people use background artists, and I I've worked with a lot of back with a lot of inkers, and my name never appeared on any of on any of their you know like uh, pieces of work. And John was like the only guy that did something like that, and uh, you know like I, I was always I'm always I'm still grateful to him for that. You know like uh, for 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 doing that uh, for me. Uh, gosh, yeah. After that, yeah, we moved on to the Hulk, and then he took me with him over to Action Comics. To, to do backgrounds for Superman, uh, which was which was really great too. You know, like I mean, so I got to you know like move over to another company and you know like show my stuff there and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, but after after a while, yeah, then then uh, came the uh, then came the real regular work like uh, Web of Spider Man, Marvel stuff. You know, like uh, uh, Quasar, She Hulk. Jeez, um, I boy, uh, Warlock, the Infinity Watch, Warlock Chronicles. Lots of Thanos and stuff like that, which I, which I'm still very appreciative of because, you know, like when the Infinity War, you know, like Saga came out in the movies, you know, they started right. you know, reprinting all the books, so you ended up getting, you ended up getting royalties for that. So, oh, nice! No yeah. kidding! Wow! Very, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a very nice period of time. I would say. The so. moment, the moment you saw Thanos' face in the movies, you know, it's, well, you know, it's like wow. That was, wow. it was, it was. Yeah, I was very happy about that. But um, yeah, so it was um, you know, like uh, working for Marvel, working working for DC, and you know, like uh, I know I'm talking too much right now. I'm just talking. <laughs> no, it's an amazing. Uh, it's just amazing to hear your journey. I mean, yeah. you've been taught by and given advice by so many of the greats. Like, like who else has that uh, has that knowledge under their belt? And then went on to work on so many great characters and properties. I mean, what, how amazing that one must be. How much fun. It is total fun. You know, like, I mean, there, there are days, of course, when you're, you know, like working and it's really hard and you got the deadline and, you know, it's the next day. And, you know, like if you don't do it, Virginia, Virginia Romita, who was the traffic manager at the time, would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like even, you know, like even after all that, you know, like when, you know, like all the tension and all the, you know, like nail biting and all that stuff, it, it's, it was great. It's, it's a great learning experience. And, and, um, and I had a lot of people that were, you know, like talking to me and telling me how, you know, like how to do things the right way, you know, talk to people like Jack Abel and uh, some of the other guys that would usually be hanging out up there at Marvel, you know, and you, you, you learn how to do things on time, do it right. And, you know, like that you're responsible, you know, to uh, get, get the work done and, uh, and to try and do it the best you can in the amount of time that you have, you know, because the anchor would usually get sometimes what the anchor would usually get as time would be about a month, but you would sometimes have to do 22 pages in two weeks. Jeez. 
So that's when that's when the background artists come in. That's when the background artists come in. <laughs> because, Hell. because uh, you know, I, I, like, I mean, I've done it by myself. I've done it on my own. But I am not Jack Kirby. <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. I don't know how he does his stuff. I didn't. I don't know how he did what he did. <laughs> you know, I go any. A, a lot of the a lot of the guys that are up there that can do stuff really fast and still put out a put out an incredible product. You know. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I mean, even even when it was like when I when I felt like I was, you know, like my heart was like beating and I could feel it coming out of my throat because I knew, you know, like I was uh, I would be up at around six o'clock in the morning after working all night long and knowing that oh god, it's six o'clock, I got a few more hours before Marvel opens. <laughs> I gotta finish this stuff now. <laughs> wow. But uh, you know, but but even with all that, it was it, it was it was fun because it was what I wanted to do. Sure. So if I, you love I, what you do. You're I not working it. a day of your in your life, right? There you go. Man. I loved it. Very cool. Very cool. And I know you've got a deviant art page uh, people can check out, which we will link. But is there anywhere else people uh, should be finding you? Do you have uh, any social media handles or anything? Uh Instagram. 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 Yes, uh, Keith Williams Comic Book Art. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so you can look at that, and you know, like Facebook. Uh, sometimes the artwork that that I do on Instagram goes bleeds over into uh, Facebook. So, uh, and that's that's uh, Keith Williams. I forget what the what the number is. How <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> to get on? Just just put down Keith Williams. I, I'm sure there's like a billion Keith Williams on there, but you know, you'll you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> you'll find it. You'll find it. It's the one with all the awesome Marvel and DC artwork on it, right? Oh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> it's awesome. I don't know. Oh, it's awesome. I, I saw it. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Keith, I want to thank. Thank you so much again for being here. We're going to have to do this again in the future. Sure. Love to. Thank you, guys. Jack, what do we have on the website? You go to candairpodcast.com. You can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, check out some YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show your support and get a little bit back for said support, head over to Patreon.com forward slash CandairPod. $5 a month gets you access to the Candair Patreon pod. Give us a call, 614-254-3332. Again, I'm not going to answer. I don't I, I don't want awkward conversation. I mean, unless you want me to answer, <laughs> like send me a text, say, hey, I'm going to call again, answer next time, then I'll think about it. But otherwise, just leave a voicemail or a text message. And, uh, you know, anything you want to say, I, I'm, we want to hear it. 614-254-3332. And, uh, again, RedlineRadioLLC.com, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Get your fix of some retro canned air Gentlemen, what am I forgetting? Anything. I think that's it. That's it. And we're going to be going out on the same uh, song I think we opened with, the Candair uh, theme that, once again, Chill Neil and Phil Buck did for us, which was mighty nice of them, and I just I enjoyed the heck out of it. And we're, we're going to have to be playing it a lot more in the future, I would say, right, guys? <laughs> I love it. May even have to do a music video at some point. Oh, good Christ. I don't know about all that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll talk, Randy. We'll talk. (laughs) But I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Keith Williams. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Candare Podcast. They talking comics, pop culture, talking all that. Movies, TVs, toys, video games, man. It's going down at the Retro Roundtable, man. You know we probably got a voice actor on the show. Maybe even got a screen actor, man. You never know. Jeremy going off on them Digit Turtles. Jack's on the ticks. Randy about to make it a brand video games. Man, that's how you know this is. Candare, Candare, are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. 
<laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And I don't know if you guys would count these as sidekicks or not, but the, uh, <laughs> everybody okay over there? <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.